Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. The hiatus has come to an end. I mean, we everybody needs a break, Doc. Yes. That's Dr. Wendy Dees from The U. Jason Jackson. I have no real excuse. I'm off all the time. You needed a little bit of time, and so we apologize to the Mob Nation uh, for not being here for them for a couple of months, but you went uh, across the pond. Uh, you were busy uh, authoring a textbook, uh, and school started. And school started, yes. Yeah. Back to school is the grind is here, the hustle. We're back in. University in full, full mode. Yeah, I'm not quite there yet. As we tape this, I still have... I think almost six weeks until I have to report every single day. That's why uh, you still have that off-season glow. Is that what it is? Yes. I thought yes. it was just the light. I thought <laughs> fluorescent light did this to the mahogany skin. But I'll take whatever you got. Uh, let's get into uh, what is just around the corner as we tape. Our first topic. College football is what it is. It was what it was. Now, I'm gonna, I, I may sound like I'm doing like a little scatting right there. So I am... Uh, uh, some sort of 1940s uh, Cotton Club crooner right now. But what it was was really one of the top two, three sports in the nation uh, no more than, what, 50 years ago? When yeah. it was probably boxing, horse racing, college football, and they would all kind of move around. Now, college football done, has done a good job for itself not slipping and sliding away like the other two sports seemingly have. But to stay at the top, you must have what I refer to as the horses. If you have the horses that can run, uh, you can get to the top. And so that's, in a word, recruiting. And uh, we have found that to be one of the top teams in the nation, you have to reach in your pocket and spend some money to woo the 16- and 17-year-olds in our nation. Those horses are expensive. They're not cheap. Matter of fact, they might be (laughs) more expensive than the real horses. Uh, With that being said, will you share with us, just give us kind of a feeling where the top universities in the nation as it pertains to spending are, and then does it really correlate into being good? Well, when these numbers showed up, Jax, I was really astounded. I mean, I knew recruiting was, um, you know, it was a turf battle. I know there's a, uh, there's a war going on out there with facilities, um, but recruiting now is, is part of that, is part of that football war that's going on. And, these teams are just spending so much money uh, in order to get these players that you were talking about. And so, you know, some data came across showing the increase in athletic department spend on recruiting just in the last, you know, two to three years. Mm -hmm. And we've got some numbers here in terms of how much those numbers have gone up. And so Georgia was atop this list, but I'll, I'll I'll go from I'll go from five to one, and I'll sure. and I'll share with you kind of the increase in these numbers. So, uh, just since uh, twenty from twenty sixteen to twenty eighteen, these numbers were collected, and uh, the University of Texas 
uh, has increased their football recruiting spend 232%. Number four on this list, Louisville, um, up 247%. FSU, 271%. Mm. Uh, Their football recruiting expenditures are up. And then the top two jump up into another echelon. So one of my alma maters, uh, Texas A&M, up 326% since uh, 2016. And University of Georgia tops that list. Kirby Smart is spending 351% more on recruiting than when our former coach Mark Richt left Athens. And that and that number totals uh, UGA spending seven million dollars now on football Ooh. recruiting. So that's that's a chunk of change right there. But Georgia is spending so much more than everybody else. Absolutely. And it's the SEC. Uh, it has paid off in, in some ways. I'd argue they're probably the third best team in the nation going into this season. Uh, they do have what uh, a title game to show for it, right? Uh, a, a conference title game, I should know. But if you're listening to Coach Smart himself, and I was, he said, when you're in the SEC, you better be able to compete at the highest level. That's across the line of scrimmage. That's in the administration buildings. That's in what you can do for the student-athletes. And we've been able to do that. How long, though, can you do that unless you have trophies like Coach Saban, and uh, what they're experiencing at Clemson right now. Uh, that's the question I would assume all of these coaches have to answer at a certain point. Yeah, and I'll play devil's advocate a little bit on that, Jax, because you know Kirby Smart has, has spent so much more. Just to put this in perspective, Coach Richt was spending around 500000 <laughs> on recruiting when he was there, and now uh, Kirby's up to a few million dollars per year. And I would argue right now that it's maybe it's helping. Georgia has seen a little bit of a boost. Uh, but Coach Richt had, what, two SEC titles, uh, no national championships. And Kirby Smart right now is in, in the same boat, essentially. So and Coach Richt had very, you know, premier players. He put guys in the NFL. So unless that national championship comes, I would argue that these expenses right now are are not uh, yielding anything more than than what they had before performance wise. Maybe they're inching a little bit closer, um, but seven million dollars over the course of, of three years for recruiting um, and, and an increase of three hundred and fifty one percent to your expenses. Uh, that's a lot. And just and just so people know, because when we're talking about recruiting costs, uh, the NCAA NCAA defines that as transportation, lodging, meals for prospective student athletes um, on their official and unofficial visits. But also, this is use of the institution's vehicles, airplanes, et cetera, for these coaches to get around. A lot of this is going to private jets. And so um, is it really worth it to spend more on private jets to do recruiting and kind of come out with the same SEC championships and no title? I don't know the answer to that. Maybe in Athens – they think it's worth it. Well, somebody it. knows the answer. <laughs> Somebody's going to tell him no eventually, unless there's some trophies to show up. That's I think I think it's also important to note, though, that another team on the top of this 
spending list, buying some expensive horses, uh, is the University of Tennessee spending $5 million, yeah. another school that uh, they're spending big bucks and they don't have anything to show for it and they don't even have... It's been a while. They don't even have the, the performance and, and the ranking and, and all of that as Georgia. So we've, we've, we're running the gamut here. you got Alabama up there winning everything, Georgia having some good success, Tennessee doing nothing... So they're all spinning around the same amount with very different outcomes. As my favorite basketball player, Jordan Jackson, would say, state schools are different, Dad. <laughs> There's something about that state money. Wise beyond his biggest, years. Yeah, when you're the biggest show in town, that helps. We are underway. The MOB, Minding Our Business, high five. That's our first topic. Now to our next topic. From college football to the National Football League, I don't know, Dr. Dees, if you were aware of this airline, I'm pretty sure the majority of our listeners probably not aware of this airline. I'm only aware of it because they have a beeline from Fort Lauderdale to southwestern Ohio. But our friends at Allegiant, uh, who charge you for everything, uh, one of America's great discount airlines that, that will... That will, if you want to take deep breaths, that's going to charge you. They, they will, they will you. be in the race with Sprint. Um, Spirit, I should say. Spirit. Spirit to charge you for the toilet. I don't know which one's going to do it first, but one of them's going to do it. Uh, and, and, and Allegiant needs the money now. Uh, they shocked themselves, and apparently, and, and shocked uh, the advertising sports sponsorship world uh, when it was announced that they're paying $1.8 billion dollars uh, to have the naming right on the new stadium being built in Las Vegas for the stars of Hard Knocks on HBO right now, the Oakland soon-to-be Los Angeles, I mean, sorry, I should say Las Vegas, they've been in Los Angeles, uh, Raiders. And that's ahead of next season. Where in the world did this come from? That's a great question. I think the better question is where in the world is their money coming from? <laughs> Again, um, all that money they're charging for my bags. Exactly, right? You're using the bathroom a lot on that plane, yeah, Jax, yeah, and, yeah. and that's how they're able to do this. But um, Swipe your card. Yeah, so thanks thanks to our uh, friends at Front Office Sports, this great article on, on Allegiance, aggressive step in this Raiders naming rights deal. But there's actually a, there's a lot of good things that Allegiant is doing. So this airline primarily serves smaller and mid-sized markets around the country. That's really what they're known for. But now they're starting to expand into some bigger markets. So Cincinnati, I believe Cleveland, right. your hometown. I best, all three C's in Ohio. They, they all three all. C's in Ohio, yeah. Indianapolis. So this is part of a, a greater marketing strategy for them to uh, get their name out there in some of these larger markets and especially some of these tourism-based cities like Las Vegas. So yeah, like you said, the the stadium being built in Las Vegas for the Raiders, it's a $1.8 billion stadium. Allegiant is now flying into Las Vegas and servicing them. I'd hope so. And <laughs> Keep an eye on your money. Yeah, yeah. Sure. And they're also getting into, Allegiant is getting into the resort business. So this makes sense because in some of these cities like Las Vegas, uh, they might be popping up some different resorts where they want to get... So uh, get them there cheap and then... We're going to get in your pocket once you get to yeah, the resort. Yeah, yeah. Get them there smart. cheap. Get yeah. them into a resort. Get them to a, a football game. Um, so, surprisingly enough, this deal is 20 to $30 million per year 
mm. over 30 years. And I think that's where it's so crazy because Allegiant is not like a American Airlines or United Airlines or some of these major airline carriers that have these new naming rights deals, mm-hmm. which one of the other airlines just uh, picked up the new Chargers stadium. Mm-hmm. And so it's a little surprising that one of the value airlines would spend this amount of money. But the draw, 45 million visitors to Las Vegas a year, and they will see Allegiant's name in bright lights on the side of the stadium, and Allegiant will serve Las Vegas now. Um, And then I think it's interesting to note, Jax, which I didn't know this about Allegiant, which makes a lot of sense. They have a sponsorship with Minor League Baseball, which this makes perfect sense for them. This is where they hit their small and mid-sized markets. And they fly to a hundred and different small and mid-sized cities, and there's a minor league uh, team in 114 of 120 of those cities. So they're no new player in the sponsorship game. They've just been a minor league player, I guess. They, but they have stepped up. They're they're joining the big leagues now. This was a smart move. Uh, they had the data. They had the information. Apparently, there was a survey of 75 million people suggesting specifically, <clears throat> pardon me, Las Vegas was the top place to visit for an NFL game. And so the executives believe that their company can be a pipeline for fans to get there, obviously be in a building with their name on it, and then whenever they're going somewhere else, that Allegiant name probably seared into the cerebellum. For sure. And, you know, it's no surprise that 75 million people that they surveyed – you know, they're excited about football in Las Vegas. Obviously, football fans like to do a lot of other entertainment activities Come on. Come on. Uh, in Las Vegas. Come so on. everyone's excited about so the team all. moving there. Uh, <laughs> Las Vegas is becoming a major well, league city now. Come on. National Hockey League, WNBA. UFC. UFC. Come on now. It's, now the National Football League in there. It's it's a smart move for yeah. for Allegiant. It, it it makes sense now when you have all that data and you know all of those all of those numbers and, and the growth. They're moving from smaller cities to these bigger markets. But woo, thirty million dollars a year is a lot of money. So good luck to Allegiant, and uh, they'll have to nickel and dime you for everything on those planes. Come on, get to the bathroom. Have your quarters. <laughs> Just roll about. I think we probably swipe your card. We'll swipe your card in there. As you go, as you exactly. go, to open the door. That's yeah, what it does. You exactly. swipe your card to open the bathroom door. Next topic. Now, this is something I know all about. The patches work. The patches generate money. Major League Baseball considering uh, getting these sponsored uniform patches that we've seen in the NBA uh, generate a decent amount of money uh, in the next few years. This is interesting. This is where baseball's trying to make that, that little turn. They're trying. I see them. <laughs> I see them like close-up faces of guys in new era ball caps now. So I applaud anything that, that my first love, that is baseball, tries to do to get themselves uh, into the right space. Uh, getting more money into the pockets of its uh, own coffers and to its owners, uh, not going to do anything to impact really the fortification of the fan experience, unless you're saying that the, that smaller market teams like my beloved Cincinnati Reds are actually going to take some of that money and pay players. Can I, can I see that funnel through, please? I don't know if we can guarantee where your money's going to go, but uh, they're, they're definitely going to be making more money for sure if they, if they go this route. And Major League Baseball has already hired marketing agencies, and they're collecting data on what this may do for their bottom line of their business. So like you said, we already know the NBA jersey patches works as a success. How do we know that? 
Um, the patches generated over $100 million in new revenue for the NBA that they did not have before the patches came about. And all of the teams eventually got their patches over the course of, of two years. And now we're going to start you know, seeing those renewals coming about. But now Major League Baseball is looking at how their business could be affected by these patches and things could be better for Major League Baseball even than the NBA, which makes sense because, like I said, they've already got marketing agencies looking at what these patches could do. And just common sense would tell you this, right, Jax, that if you have that front-facing patch on the jersey just like the NBA has, you've got a lot more baseball games than basketball games. You have a slower product. You have, you know, batters at the plate on camera for a lot more time. Pitchers standing there forever. Pitchers <laughs> standing there for yes. a very long time. So even yeah. if they speed up the game, it doesn't matter. These uh, these companies, these brands are going to get a lot more exposure in baseball than they do in basketball. And so MLB is already starting to try to figure out how much added value those patches could bring and how to price that uh, piece of real estate on the jersey. Location's going to have to be critical, obviously, and even because you Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Got to take into consider camera angles. Most camera angles uh, are, are, particularly if batters are coming from the two dugouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you get a little bit more of the high home, which is the camera that's right above home plate that shoots back down to the field. Maybe you get that look at the pitcher a little bit more. Uh, I was thinking of this from a broadcast standpoint immediately when I saw the story. Of course you did. Uh, but the one thing that I do know is they already have some. I believe the Yankees and, and the, the Red Sox have sleeve patches. Those aren't as advantageous as I would imagine if they were sitting there right over uh, top right, top left breast on the jersey uh, that, that you see in the NBA. No, not as effective. Um, I was just over in London, like you mentioned, over the summer and had the great opportunity to go see the London series game between the Red Sox and the Yankees. And they were wearing the BioFreeze patches on the, the left sleeve. And yes, you'll you'll see those patches eventually. But they're much more subtle than the front-facing logos like the NBA um, has been wearing. And when MLB consulted with uh, Nielsen on what the front-facing patches might do, Nielsen estimated that the brands would appear nearly three times as often and three times as long on MLB jerseys than NBA jerseys. So they said there would be 289 instances per average for Major League Baseball versus 112 in the NBA. And they would be viewable roughly 12 minutes per game in Major League Baseball versus NBA, which is under five minutes. And they're estimating right now they could generate each team around 11 million dollars or possibly more per season that's that's a lot of money for a small piece of of real estate due diligence in in full effect uh we're more than halfway through the high five so you know what time it is the actual real high five 
Oh, it's good to be back. I love when we go with it. You put some elbow into that one, by the way. I did. I think I hurt myself. I'm going to need a medic. Uh, (laughs) Let's continue. We started off with the comparison to the NBA, so why don't we continue the conversation with the NBA? Next topic. The NBA and Disney already have a wonderful billion-dollar relationship. If you consider that Disney owns uh, the ABC television network as well as ESPN, and that basketball connection is already in place. So earlier this summer, when the NBA and Walt Disney World opened up the park's latest attraction, NBA experience at Disney Springs, uh, this was basically an extension of that, I would imagine. This is an opportunity for fans and and park goers to experience the NBA and the WNBA uh, with kind of the Hall of Fame slash carnival feel, right? I mean, check your wingspan, dribble drills. Shoot some free uh, throws. Yeah, just get funky. Just be stanking at the park now, even more so. Like, come on, man. Got some showers right next to this thing? (laughs) They can take a 12 and a 13-year-old through that. Right, right. Better have a locker room experience, too, where you can uh, change after that Disney in the summer playing basketball. Talk to me about what this does. Is this a... Is this added value, or is there enhancement here that, that the NBA is going to receive from this? What what do you think best suits each uh, in having this attraction? It's a win-win for both, like you said. The, the NBA and, and Disney and, and ESPN, they're, they're going to uh, strike gold with anything they do. But it's really, really great for the NBA in that, number one, most people are visiting these parks in the summer. So kids are out of school. The NBA is not in in season. And they want to keep NBA on, you know, the top of mind of their fans or they want to generate new fans. Um, it makes sense to appeal to kids and what better way to do it than than in a theme park where they're going to have this captive audience of, of children and, and families. So the timing of it is perfect when the NBA season is not going on because kids are still playing and, and they're shooting hoops. In terms of the global nature of the NBA and what they're trying to do, there are just so many international tourists and you know folks in the park from all over the world that come to visit so it goes again to what the nba is trying to do to reach young kids to reach people from all over the world uh, to expand the attractiveness of the sport and grow the sport abroad Uh, disney has parks in other countries and so if the nba experience is a hit then they could easily replicate this not only out in california but maybe in hong kong or shanghai or in paris so these are all cities where they the nba has a great foothold you know in terms of a fan base and people supporting the sport but it seems like they're just testing this in the parks in the U.S. right now with the idea of taking this elsewhere. And it's just, it's a great feature at the park. And then, of course, Disney loves when they can add anything sport to the entertainment uh, monster that they already have built. So um, just makes sense on, on both sides. The chief executive officer of Disney, Bob Iger, he's having a good year. He's doing all right. He's on fire. Uh, but they do need to generate some money for buying all that stuff from Fox. <laughs> and so if this helps in that space, great. But, I mean, they are killing it at the box office. Obviously, the stuff they do, they, they own Marvel as well for people that don't realize that. And so they, they just are, are absolutely crushing it. Uh, often a little tributary, though. Uh, I need everybody at Marvel and Sony 
to get this whole thing with Spider-Man figured out. Okay, they broke the Twitter the other day in that they walked away from negotiations for Spider-Man. This is, we can't have this. Okay. But I get where Disney's coming from on this issue because it's a billion-dollar movie and the way that deal's set up now for all the, 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 the comic book nerds out there, uh, like myself. I'm not a comic book guy, but I love the movies. Disney's issue is we're making these movies. You get all the money. They get all the aftermarket stuff. So they get all the toys and mm-hmm. all that mess. The and they make a, a whole bunch of money with the you know folks buying Spider-Man outfits looking kooky, walking down the street in pajamas. But a billion-dollar flick, and you're not making any of that bread at all, and it's your producers, and it's your writers, and it's... Sony pays for production costs, don't get me wrong, but... If you, ro- if you roll up here next time in a Spider-Man outfit... Oh, I might. I might, though. Ha- Halloween is around the corner. They got that in 3X? <laughs> 3X with a Depend. I need, I, like, I a little that, diaper inside. I think that might be online availability <laughs> only. <laughs> Out of the tributary I row, back into our own lane... Our final topic. Let's go. Ring that bell, Dennis. Here we are. Home sweet home. We've tried to, I think, in our first seven, eight episodes, to be as global as possible. Absolutely. But the biggest game in the world is coming to Miami. So we're going to talk about it and probably talk about it a great deal over the next four or five months. Uh, every, I'm not blaming Miami because I'm on one side of this. Uh, it'll be fun if you're on the other. Uh, people will know. these, these we, Topics are generated through your study. And I read the stuff that you send me, and then we try to find the top five things that we're going to discuss. I sit here and drive our little bus. You show everybody how smart you are. Bang! MOB. I, I just, I just ride on the bus. That's it. No, no, no. no, no. I'm just a passenger You're the fuel. on the bus. You're the diesel on this bus. But we have, I think, pushed back on the idea as a podcast that there's always direct benefit from hosting massive games. And Miami's next in line beating that drum that we're going to spend a lot of money as a city and a county and a state, but we're going to see so much money come back for Super Bowl 54. I have a great friend of mine, uh, one of the stars of SportsCenter, uh, John Butchergross, who's the same age of the Super Bowl. So anytime Super Bowl numbers pop up, I know how old, how old he's going to be his next birthday, which is coming I'm up I'm sure he appreciates you yeah. announcing that to the world because he's been telling everyone he's 35. Well, listen, that's the hair dye does that. I mean, but he stopped. That's the best thing. Goodness gracious. Thank you, John, for being pure. I never would have believed Bucci was 54, uh, 54. If that makes him feel any better. There it is. Let's get to this. You're going to have the politicians. You're going to have the tourism bureaus all over South Florida banging their chests from Palm Beach County all the way down to Monroe. That things have been impacted in a big way. What's, what's the effort? What's the goal of the region as we really begin the true march toward uh, the 2020 Super Bowl, Butchie's Super Bowl 54. Well, this isn't Miami's first rodeo. We know this, right? It's been a while, Miami has We've been sitting on the sidelines too long. It's true. It's true. We got Hard Rock Stadium all fixed up now. We're ready to go. But uh, Miami's hosted more Super Bowls than anyone. So Miami understands this money game that's behind the Super Bowl, and it takes money to make money, right? And here we are again. So... The Miami Herald just wrote an article recently on kind of the numbers that have come out around this most recent Super Bowl and the expenditures that are behind that. And we're, we're approaching that $20 million mark mm. that's going to come out of roughly three major municipalities down here to host the Super Bowl. And What's that? That's, it's at Miami Gardens where the arena or the stadium is. Miami the Beach. city of Miami, right, in Miami Beach. Miami Beach. Well, and, and, and the, plus county. the county. And the county. Yeah, exactly. Right. Go and ahead. so, but here, here's here's how it breaks down. In the grand scheme of things, the the two 
the two big benefits for any city hosting a Super Bowl or any other mega event and trying to bid and draw these events to town is A, money, and B, exposure. And I think people see the, the money piece and they hear the economic impact studies and people just get focused on that. They, they hear these numbers of, oh, it's going to bring three, four, five hundred million dollars to the city and it's all about the money. And we've gone into this before about these economic impact studies saying, well, if you divide that number in half or by, you know, in thirds, that's more accurately probably what the city's going to make. But the these municipalities that are, are pitching in the money to bring the Super Bowl here, they don't mention as much that it's as much about exposure as it is about the money. So even if those economic impact numbers are half or if they're only a third, it's not just about the money. It's about the fact that if the city tried to advertise our area and get as much exposure as they would get hosting gotcha. the Super Bowl and having all this exposure through the NFL for a week, that type of advertising, if they bought it a la carte, so to speak, you could never afford that because you've got just on Super Bowl, the day of the Super Bowl, you've got over 100 million people, 150 million people tuning in just to the game. Then when you start thinking about all the exposure that comes out of this city from them broadcasting live here for a week and everything on social and digital and just the views of, of Miami day in and day out and having the, the country captive for a week, that's the kind of exposure that cities cannot go out and buy. I mean, you can make as many Visit Miami commercials as you want and run them in Wisconsin in the middle of February, and you're never going to get the kind of value you're going to get where people see Miami for a week on ESPN and, and Fox and all those stations. So the, the value added here in exposure could be far beyond what the, the actual direct economic impact is. And you also have to think beyond just the Super Bowl, right? Uh, you, yes. This area wants uh, the national championship for college football in this area. They want the I, I World would, Cup. World Cup, that's, and that's no joke. Now, we, we'll sit here and play with that one. You know that's huge money coming You know in. Miami wants an international So like there's that. an added value there. I, I think the, the NFL does a, a decent job creating a footprint uh, when they have the Super Bowl, they'll be in Liberty City, Miami Beach. They'll be in South Dade, uh, renovating or putting in uh, new football fields. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's an investment that's, you know, it's kind of cyclical uh, that you can already see that's going to be tangible. Then there's one that as a populace, as a, as a voting base, you're just going to have to kind of trust that that stuff finds its way. It's not going to find its way to you personally. <laughs> let you, let Ain't you no park money some going cars. in my pocket. Let you park some cars at your house <laughs> Maybe up there by the gardens, or or you're going Airbnb, you know, or give them boat tours. You, you, now that I could you do, you could do boat tours. I got some, that. Some fishing uh, lessons, maybe during that time. Uh, I know this thing uh, down at Bayfront, and I'm I, I'm now thinking about the brand new NBA schedule that I've just received for uh, my night job, which is the Miami Heat. For those that don't know, and um, there's this big uh, what do they call it? Super Bowl Live. That's going to be at uh, Bayfront Park, uh, uh, the, our neighbors to the south, uh, on the western shore of Biscayne Bay there. All week and long. so that should be really special. That's going to be and in I'm your perfectly backyard. fine being on the road that week. I was about to say, <laughs> that's going to be in your backyard. That's going to make your commute to uh, oh, AAA even yeah. nicer. It's it's really special right now. Oh, <laughs> let's not even get that. Get that squared away. I'm trying to sell a... Trying to sell the idea of, of a studio downtown. Like, just a studio apartment. I don't need anything lavish, but uh, 
Not going over well currently. Not, I'm not winning that battle. How's your so. How's your household voting on that? Uh yeah, it's there's just a veto dynamic. It just is, and uh, Mama Jax has earned that, so she can have it. That's short. It, I think it's short sighted, you know. But vetoes are what they are. I got to go get two thirds majority, and uh, I'm missing. I'm missing one of my, my voters. Is the way I wouldn't, I wouldn't count caring. on that uh, penthouse apartment in the sky. Yeah, and I'm trying. I'm trying to do what I can. Maybe maybe I could get a grant from from the county. From the Super Bowl. Yeah, they're I don't giving, want the, They're giving The host giving, committee spends a lot of bread. So I mean they could just kick me a good, you know, hundred grand. That'd get me through a couple of years. They do, but the the NFL is is coming into town with two grants at over eight hundred and fifty thousand dollars and I don't see any of that earmarked for uh, lodging for you, uh, but maybe we could put in a <laughs> proposal. But um, yeah, the NFL the uh, NFL gives back to the city in a big way, grants, renewing football fields and various uh, facilities for grassroots sports whenever they leave. And the city has a lot of benefit from the NFL when they come to town. They, they try to leave a legacy in every city that they're in. And so there's, there's money spent by the NFL and the government to give back to Miami. But the, the main crux of the article are the expenditures by Miami to get the Super Bowl here and be able to reap all of those long-term benefits um, when Super Bowl 54 is over. Awesome. Got to pay for the fireworks extravaganza in the sky, the interactive photo murals, the, the oversized mesh footballs with audio. They'll be lining uh, Biscayne Boulevard coming up in early February. Hey, listen, we are celebrating the 150th anniversary of college football, the 100th anniversary of the National Football League, all in one podcast. I'm not sure you can you can shop many places and get that kind of one-stop excellence. I'd buy it. That'd be nice. It'd be really nice if people started buying it. There's no doubt. <laughs> That's Dr. D's. I'm Jax. Just one thing to always remember. You have to do this. If there's anything in life that you consider and lock in as a motto, put it on a t-shirt or a bumper sticker. Always mind your business. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.